exercise professional, I'm sure that your goal is to inspire people to get healthy, fit and strong, to stay that way for the rest of their life, to uh, do it in the fastest way possible, in the safest way possible, in the most effective way possible. So here's one of the things that I always do, and I hope that you do the same. When stuff comes out of my mouth and I say something, I always ask inside my head and before I say it, is what I'm about to say my opinion, somebody else's opinion, or is it actually true? And of course, it doesn't matter how thin you slice it, there's always two sides. But when it comes to exercise, could it be really important that we at least understand our anatomy and physiology, not just know it, because that's called topical anatomy or anatomy to pass the test. But what about applied anatomy? What about let's analyze every exercise, every movement, every exercise program and ask, is what I'm saying, is what I'm sharing with the world, is it actually true? Is that how the human body works? Or have I just regurgitated something that I've heard so many times that I believe it now? And the reason this is such an important question is we're not a piece of machinery. If a piece of machinery breaks down, you can paint it, fix it, get it going again. But the human body, if it's broken, it's either very difficult to get going again, and for some people it's the reason why they never ever get going again ever, because they're broken. So I don't want to break anybody's body, how about you? I want to make sure that every exercise program I give people is safe and effective in the fastest way possible. So I'm going to ask you a really important question uh, that seems one of the most commonly applied exercise programs in gyms, uh, for coaches, for for exercise people. Uh, And this is not to be controversial. It's because I'm asking myself constantly, Rowie, what does that mean? How does that work? And the two great questions, why would I do that and how does it work? So the question is, when we exercise, why do we break the body up into little pieces? And there's an interesting one, which is, of course, a split program where you might work the upper body one day and the lower body another day, or you work the front of your body one day, the back of your body one day, and your lower body the next day. And it's a very common practice. But having now studied neuroscience and how the whole central nervous system works when it comes from the brain to fire up the whole musculoskeletal system, and studying the endocrine system, which is really about, and that sometimes they, they intertwine, epinephrine, adrenaline, uh, cortisol, the whole catecholamine system, which is also responsible for, for producing human growth hormone and uh, testosterone, which if you're a bloke, they're really important chemicals if you want to get bigger muscles. And for women, if we want to get stronger, we have to be producing, uh, we have to, to get stronger, you have to overload your muscles and bones. And to overload your muscles and bones, you've got to have those chemicals firing. And obviously, the more effectively they fire, the better the result of the exercise. One of the things that's interesting about the central nervous system and the endocrine hormonal system is that they fire everything. So whether uh, I point my finger at you and all I'm using is my index finger, supposedly all I'm using is my index finger, really. And I'm using this as a particular example because we often say, well, I'm not using my upper body because I'm running or I'm not using my lower body because I'm boxing or I'm swimming. See, both of those don't make any sense, but I'm just gonna use this example. If I point my finger, I can say, well, it's my finger, or I move my finger, but what about my forearm? What about my upper arm? What about my shoulder? What about my back? And then the firing mechanism for that, the central nervous system and the endocrine system that actually sends the messages, 
then the oxygen supply and the blood flow and the nutrient supply, does that just go from my brain to my finger or does it circulate through my entire body? Uh, Do I send a message via my brain through my entire central nervous system to, to my peripheral nervous system to get my finger to move? What about the firing inside the muscles? And these are questions that I'm constantly asking myself. How do you break the body apart? If you're going to exercise separate body parts, how would you do that? And the reason for that is, of course, as an exercise professional, you would know that when you are moving, when you're exercising, you're in a catabolic state. You're breaking down muscle. Uh, You're breaking down the body because you're putting stress on the body. When you recover from the stress and then regenerate after the stress and then supercompensate, that's one of my favourite words because that's the only time when we get stronger or we know that we're stronger is because we've supercompensated. So we don't get stronger when we're lifting or exercising. We don't get stronger when we're recovering. We don't get stronger when we are uh, uh, supercompensating. The only time we know that we're stronger is when we have supercompensated, which means I've done my workout, I've worked my muscles, they've recovered from the workout, they've regenerated, they're now anabolic, and I've become supercompensated so I can lift heavier. And of course, if I want to get fitter, I have to be stronger. To get stronger, I have to have strong muscles, and strong muscles don't, I don't get stronger when I'm exercising, I get stronger when I'm resting. So when we break the body apart, and one of the main reasons for that, of course, is that uh, I'm going to work my upper body one day and my lower body next day, so then I can go back and work my upper body again. But are there some things that we've forgotten? Because I used to regurgitate that stuff. I'd say we're going to do chest, uh, tries and shoulders, and then the next day we're going to do back and thighs, and the next day we're going to do legs. And all single-syllable words, (laughs) not even the proper names of the muscles. But when I ask myself the question, and I'm asking you to do the same because these are common things that you'll hear as an exercise professional in the exercise profession. Split program, back, buys, and and, uh, abs, for example, might be one day. Well, let's have a look at that, shall we? Even if I point my finger, I'm still using my central nervous system. Uh, I'm firing, uh, obviously, blood flow, oxygen supply, nutrient supply. And my central nervous system, and I think this is something we forget, takes as long or longer to recover than a muscle. Uh, If my central nervous system's not firing properly, if my endocrine system's not firing properly, and remember, muscle growth and strength comes from human growth hormone and testosterone, which fire the most when I do the biggest exercises. So when I do big exercises, I then have to recover from those. But I ask this question, what fires the chest muscles, pectoralis major minor? What fires the back muscles, latissimus dorsi rhomboids, uh, traps, shoulders? What fires the shoulders, the deltoids? What fires the infraspinatus, supraspinatus, subscapularis, teres minor? What fires the rectus abdominis, the obliques, the transverse abdominis, the multifidus? What fires the gluteus medius, maximus minimus? What fires the uh, rectus femoris and and, uh, the hamstrings? What fires all of those? The hamstring fires everything. Sorry, the hamstring. The central nervous system fires everything. And why is it then that we think that if I exercise my upper body on one day, which fires my central nervous system, and I exercise my lower body the next day, which fires my central nervous system, that when's my central nervous system going to get a chance to recover? When's the endocrine system going to get a chance to recover? Those neurotransmitters, uh, epinephrine, adrenaline, 
cortisol, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, brain-derived neurotropic factor, they rest and oh, they grow. Rest, when we're resting and recovering, they then uh, have an opportunity to grow inside our brain. So if I'm not resting enough, then how do I get stronger? And I find it really interesting that we seem to have forgotten that connection with it, not just the muscles and the bones, but the firing mechanisms of the endocrine system and the central nervous system. So I'd love you just to consider that. When do they get to recover? And you know that your central nervous system hasn't recovered because you feel tired, lethargic, can't be bothered. You don't feel like training. And most importantly, you're not any stronger. If you go to the gym, if you go to lift something heavy, and last time you lifted a certain weight and now you can't lift heavier, it means you haven't super compensated. And often in the gym, we disguise that because we do lots of exercises and we go on lots of different days and do different stuff. But we actually don't know, it's cold out here. (laughs) We actually don't know uh, what results we're getting because we keep chopping and changing the exercises so much. If you use every single muscle and bone in your body, and you could do that very easily, and just ask the question, what exercises do I need to do, big ones or little ones? What exercises do I need to do, compound or isolated, to get as many muscles working as possible at the same time? Which means I'm going to have the highest rate, the highest explosion of human growth hormone, testosterone, epinephrine, adrenaline, all of that happens when I exercise really hard at the highest intensity. And that doesn't come from using little muscles. It doesn't come from doing bicep curls or tricep kickbacks or upright rows or leg extensions. That all comes from doing big compound exercises. So if I do big compound exercises, how long does it take for A, the muscle to recover? Sure. And they haven't recovered until I've gotten stronger. But how long does it take for the central nervous system to recover? And how long does it take for the endocrine system to recover? And I don't have an answer for that. And I don't think you do either. Because should we consider that everybody's different? People sleep for different lengths and at different depths. People have different lifestyle stresses. People have different nutrition in their body. Uh, People have... Uh, different uh, uh, lifestyle as in their job. Uh, Their brain works at different speeds and at higher or less intensity. People train at higher or less intensity. A lot of people say, well, because I'm an elite athlete, I I can train more often. And that's true if you take some kind of injected human growth hormone or testosterone because that helps the recovery process. But if you're an elite athlete uh, and you train really hard, it's going to take you longer to recover because you're training harder. The harder you train, the heavier you lift, the more you sprint, the longer it takes you to recover. If you do easy workouts, you could probably get away with a couple every week because your body recovers quicker. But if you're stressed, if you don't sleep well, if you don't eat well, if your life is just busy, and then what about the other things? we do in our life. Now, if you sit on your bum, for example, that puts a lot of stress on your lower back muscles. It puts a lot of stress on your neck muscles and shoulders. And they're then open for injury when you go and train. The reverse of that, if you have an active job where you're in the garden or you work on machinery or you work in a warehouse or you're a builder and you're constantly lifting, could that have an effect on your recovery time? So when people talk about, I'm going to do a split program, so I'm going to rest my upper body because I'm doing my lower body, uh, please think about that carefully. Because I have, I used to say that we're going to rest your upper body today because we're doing lower body. Well, which lower body exercises do you do without using your upper body? Uh, And somebody said to me once, oh, what about leg press? You just sit in the chair and you push with your legs. Well, there's a really great question to ask there. When in your life do you ever sit in a chair and put push weights above your head or or forward unless you're god forbid in a car accident and you've got to get out of there or 
I don't know, you might be out on a bush track and you've got to push a log with your leg. But even then, won't you be using your arms? And most people, when you watch them on a leg press, they're still using their arms. If you do squats or lunges or deadlifts or anything that's predominantly the, the prime moving muscle is the legs or are the legs, we're still using our upper body. Interestingly, the major muscle groups that hold us in the upright position to do those, those exercises effectively are the rectus abdominis obliques, transverse abdominis, erectus spinae multifidus, that what people would technically call, and I hate using this word because it's not an anatomical term, people call the core. Well, it's the core, what are those muscles? Should we know them? What's the origin, insertion and action of those muscles? And what are they responsible for? And even if you don't want to get into the complicated part of it, ultimately your abdominal muscles, erectus spinae multifidus, transverse abdominis obliques, are responsible for holding you in the upright position for when you sprint, when you jump, when you punch, when you swim, even when you're swimming and you're not in the upright position, your abdominal muscles, lower back muscles have to work really hard, otherwise you'd be a, a terrible swimmer. But if you want to lift something up off the ground, squats, lunges, deadlifts, rocks, gravel, wheelbarrows, your abdominal muscles are the ones that are working the hardest. So then we go and do, some people do an ab day where they just work their abdominals. Well, when when do your abdominals get to recover? Because every single exercise you do works your abdominals. Now, the next part of that that I always, please, I'm begging you, think about this really carefully. If you injure somebody, how would you feel? And is it possible that injury comes from two things, overuse and dumb exercise or dangerous exercise? So if I overuse a muscle over and over and over and over and I put any form of force through a joint over and over and over and over, is it likely or more likely to get injured? So even if I'm doing compound exercises with only compression and traction forces, is it possible that if I do too many of them, I could get injured? And that's called lots of training could cause lots of injury. But when I start putting now little exercises where I'm putting shearing forces across the joint, shearing forces with rotation across the joint, shearing forces in the lower back where I'm pushing, I'm doing repetitive strain to the anterior compression force of the the vertebral disc, now I've got some serious challenges because when I do this to a joint or this to the joint or both, that's when the joint gets injured. Shearing forces wears away the joint. And in the little, the little joints and the little muscles that hold the, the bone inside the joint, they get worked for every exercise. So those ones inside the shoulder, the supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, subscapularis, those ones work for upper body, lower body, front of the body, back of the body. And one of those, a supraspinatus, that runs through the acromion process in the humeral head, and that can get injured really easy because it's, it's getting nailed. If you're doing a split program, that tiny little muscle, tiny little tendon's getting wrecked because you're overusing, 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 overusing. It's getting squash, 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 squash. The reason I'm asking all these questions is I think the the number one, well, I think the number one rule, and I think it should be for everybody, is to not hurt your client, not injure your client. If you hurt your client, if they can't exercise, how can they stay healthy, fit and strong for the rest of their lives? And mentally, if you screw up somebody's body, is it possible now that they may never exercise again. And now they're open for coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, depression, Alzheimer's, dementia, cardiovascular disease, cancer, all the horrible things that happen when the body isn't active. If you're not fit and strong, you're at the highest risk of all of those diseases. 
So as an exercise professional, I always ask myself, number one, is this exercise safe? Is it the best exercise? What's the result that I want to get from this exercise? Is it the best use of somebody's time? And the interesting, and I don't like to quote research studies because there's so many research studies, but this is one of my favourites on split programs. Uh, One group doing full body, one group doing split program, one group control group doing nothing. Obviously, the group that did nothing got weaker and aged much quicker. The group that did a split program were heading towards injury because they were overusing their muscles and joints, but the results for muscle size and strength were the same. The only difference between the split program and the full body program is the split program people had to go to the gym twice as often or four times as much. And for people, as an exercise professional, I want people to have a safe program, but I want it to be fast because most of the people that are in my life have never said to me, Rowie, give me the slow program. In fact, nobody has ever said to me, give me the slow program. Everybody wants results now. So why would I give somebody a program that takes twice as long, even if it gets the same result? But the argument there, and I don't want to argue with anybody, but the argument is if I give somebody twice as long and I'm putting compression forces and traction forces and shearing forces across a joint, whether it's an overuse injury or just a a wearing away injury, I don't want to hurt my client. So all I'm asking, please, as an exercise professional, you'll hear split program. You'll hear, I'm going to the gym today to do a back day. I'm going to do leg day. I'm going to do buys and, and abs day. Whatever, whatever the split happens to be, and there's always these miraculous ways to split up the body. Well, please ask the question, what fires every muscle? What fires every chemical response in the body? Human growth hormone, testosterone, epinephrine, adrenaline, dopamine, serotonin, brain-derived neurotropic factor, everything that makes you feel good, everything that makes your body grow and get stronger, everything that makes you and keeps you healthier, that comes from the, or is fired from the central nervous system and the endocrine hormonal system. And if those two aren't recovering, then the rest of your body can't even get stronger, even if you wanted it to. So no arguments from me. You can do whatever you bloody want with your body. I get that. And people who want to split up their program into 75,000 different pieces, I don't care because it's your body. And of course you can do whatever you want with it. If you were a smoker and I came up to you and said, don't smoke, it's bad for you, I'd be a dick. I wouldn't do that. And I'm sure that if you're a smoker, you would hate it if somebody said that to you. But as an exercise professional, I always ask myself this question. If somebody's going to trust me with their body, Should I know how the human body works? Should I have an understanding of anatomy and physiology, endocrine system and central nervous system in particular, not just muscles and bones? And the scary thing about a lot of people who call themselves exercise, they don't usually call themselves a professional, they're just a trainer or a fitness instructor. Uh, They talk in, in language, and I'm sure you've heard it, abs, buys, traps, calves, lats, pecs, Should we have a better understanding of anatomy than just single syllable words? If somebody trusts you with their future health, if somebody trusts you with their bone integrity, if somebody trusts you with their self-esteem, self-confidence, if somebody trusts you that your your intelligence, your knowledge and your understanding of anatomy and physiology is going to keep their body safe, uninjured, barring accident, and it's going to keep them healthy so that they can literally live for a very long time with great quality of life and be able to do all the things that they want to do, wouldn't it be great as an exercise professional if we we understood how that all works, not just abs and lats and calves and pecs? Just a question. 
please be the exercise professional that understands how the human body works and you can give people programs that are safe, effective and fast. If you are a consumer of exercise product, please don't give your body to somebody that's going to screw it up. Make sure that they know how the human body works and you have the right to ask, why are we doing this and how does it work? And if somebody can't explain to you in a really simple way, this is why we're doing it and this is how it works, not in big words and not in, oh, wow, they've got ripped abdominals and and gorgeous arms, so they must know what they're talking about. I'm seriously asking, please don't give your body to somebody who might screw it up because I deal with too many people every single day of my life who have had a bad experience with a doctor or a physio or a chiropractor or a personal trainer or a gym instructor or a group exercise instructor. They're seriously injured and they can't exercise anymore or their headspace has been screwed up because somebody said can't have, mustn't have, don't have and made them feel guilty for every food that they love to eat. Uh, made them feel angry because there's foods that they can't eat anymore and given them such a fanatical exercise program which is four days a week split program have to go to the gym for two or three hours and they just can't do it and they feel guilty because they can't and I don't want that for anybody so simple get puffed to get fit lift heavy to get strong go as hard as you can in that phosphate system which is 10 seconds because that's the one that gives you a hundred well forces you to produce a hundred percent effort when you get puffed really puffed that's a hundred percent effort when you lift really heavy and you can only do it a few times that's a hundred percent effort and getting puffed gets you fit lifting heavy gets you strong when you're fit and strong what's your life gonna be like Woohoo! I feel good no 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 I knew that I would now because I'm healthy fit and strong Woo!